Jamie, you ready to kick things off, man? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Good evening, everybody. My name is Jamin Butler. I am one of the five co-founders of the Black Coffee Company. Thank you so much to everybody that has joined us this evening for the call. This is the third of our community conversation series. Uh, tonight's uh, conversation and discussion is titled Generational Wealth. Uh, let me get a holler if anybody can hear me. Yeah, we hear Absolutely. you loud and clear. Loud and clear. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so everybody will be introducing themselves tonight, uh, especially my co-founders. Uh, I'll be kicking it over to Chris now. He'll be going over our, our agenda for this evening, and then uh, he'll pause for introductions. Good evening, everybody. I'm Christopher Bolden, one of the co-founders of the Black Coffee Company. And um, really appreciate your participation in our call tonight. <clears throat> um, our agenda for this evening, we're going to start with a brief introduction. Um, please just give us your name, location, and whether you have a will, trust, or insurance. Um, next, we're going to go into the five keys of wealth. Then we're going to turn it over to our featured guest, Ms. Tani Powell. Um, she's a life and wealth coach um, with a talents coaching company. Um, at that, after that, we're going to open it up for a discussion, um, go over some action items, and then we'll look into scheduling our next call. All right, our discussion goes for the evening. Uh, we're going to start to determine the value and keys to building generational wealth amongst the community, uh, share strategies and resources amongst the online community of participants, identifying best practices or tips, hacks to build generational wealth, and we're going to encourage aggressive and consistent pursuit of wealth building behavior. With that said, uh, our team has uh, been working together for the past five years uh, and really uh, a couple decades building our bonds. Uh, but really in the last five years, we really determined that our money was going to waste. We had been educated, our community had supported us, our parents had supported us, but we were working in, in jobs and spending money, but we weren't doing anything with that. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, please mute your phones if you have a chance. Um, so we weren't our money wasn't working for us outside of a few 401ks and such but uh, so we got together after an inspirational trip to the Motown Museum in Detroit Michigan where we learned about the story of how Barry Gordy's family actually empowered him to launch Motown records because they set up a family savings loan in which anybody in the family could come to them and borrow money uh, for an investment or for an opportunity and that they would have to, you know, there were conditions in which they would pay that back. Uh, Barry Gordy was able to utilize this fund in order to launch his uh, enterprises. Uh, this was a novel idea for us and it gave us the inspiration to launch the Backpack Investments. Uh, along this journey, we've spent a lot of time being financially intimate, uh, doing a lot of research, learning about areas of the financial markets and uh, how to, what does it really mean to be financially free? Uh, along those paths, you know, what is our ultimate goal uh, behind all of our work was to, we decided we wanted to build generational wealth, but not just for us and our families, but we wanted it for the whole community. Um, so we've had a lot of discussions over the past few years. We've done some research and we've come up with what we, what we believe are five keys to building generational wealth. Uh, and we will op open up the floor for discussion for folks to weigh in, give their opinions. Uh, but we just want to go over it real quick um, and then we'll circle back. Uh, so our five keys were uh, start with a new mindset. That means, and we, we felt that fits our core value of entrepreneurship. 
if you have an entrepreneurial mind, if you're open to new opportunities, if you see yourself as more than just an, a worker or an input, if you feel that you can uh, turn levers and, uh, and be a cog of creation, that you can uh, set your family up for success. But that starts with having a budget. You know, financial freedom uh, is, a, is a great uh, goal, but in order to get there, it takes a lot of hard work. And that means, uh, you know, setting up a budget for yourself and your family, uh, getting your credit together um, and such. We've had some numerous conversations in our Black Coffee community around that topic. Next, we felt that once you had a new mindset and you've had a solid foundation with your financial footing, you needed to work on collective economics. Uh, I know we hear so many success stories in our society about people who did this and started this business and this company, but today's world, it's uh, gotten so competitive that we see the folks that are really having an advantage are the people that are teaming up, that are uniting with their powers. Uh, and that's how you create true community empowerment. Because folks are learning from you through your footsteps, so you're having an impact whether you're hiring employees, purchasing supplies, or you're providing a service. Uh, once you've uh, gotten to the collective economic stage, I'm going to pass it over to Leonard for the last two items. Sure. Um, so the last two was more of like wealth transfer tools, and that was the reason why we kind of asked that initial question to um, whether you had a will, trust, or life insurance, um, just to kind of see what was the, the landscape of the, the audience. And the last one was just start to acquire assets. And I know for me, I didn't really know what that meant initially, um, but you know, that's like stocks and bonds, you know, real estate, um, you know, putting these things essentially like in the state plan. Um, so, um, so those are the, the five keys to, that we felt were critical to building general generational wealth. Uh, just to kind of go back a little bit, we kind of got to ahead of ourselves. We want to go over like some housekeeping things, or, like, some house rules. Uh, so FYI, we are recording the seminar. Um, so if you don't want to say anything that could potentially be released, um, just be mindful of that. Um, please keep your line on mute when you're not talking. If you're dialing in from the phone line, um, you got to press star six to unmute. Um, we do not sell or endorse any financial products. Please do your own research. Uh, this is just more of a conversation. We feel like everything starts with a conversation. And we're here as a community to foster that and to you know, encourage that. So I think next we're going to, I'll turn it back over to Jamin. Uh, so we're at, it looks like we're on time and ahead of schedule. So I would love to introduce our featured guest for the evening. Uh, this is uh, her name is Tawny Powell. Uh, she is a life and wealth coach. Her name of her uh, business is a talent coaching company, and she's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Tawny, are you there? Hi. Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you for participating this evening, and we really appreciate you, you know, sharing your services and letting folks know about the work that you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here and just excited to hear what everybody has to share and just be a part of the conversation. Um, so a little bit of background about me is I, uh, I've never, I've, it's, it's been a long time since I've had a job I didn't love. So for the last eight years, I worked in community development organizations and helped uh, folks become first-time homeowners. And a lot of that included 
education one-on-one -on -one and in the classroom, teaching people how to budget, how to save, how to reduce their debts, how to raise their credit score, that kind of thing. And then all about the home buying process. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I started to look for like what was next. You know, I had learned what seemed like all I could really learn about the home buying process. You know, there's only so much really to learn about it. And I was looking for other ways that I could continue to help communities like black community and communities of color build wealth that wasn't necessarily attached to real estate alone. And so last year I joined a financial services firm and I also offer different financial services now. But the biggest part about what I do is I'm a really powerful life coach. So the majority of my business that I do now is I work one-on-one -on -one and with groups coaching people around their relationship with money. Because I discovered over eight or nine years that I can teach everyone and anyone how to create a budget. And I can teach them how to do the numbers and I can teach them how to raise their credit score. And I saw for a lot of the time that a lot of what I would deliver to folks, you know, they might make some strides, they might save a little bit more one month or raise their credit score here, but the same issues kept coming up later. It was, it was a lot of like short leaps and not much that was a whole lot that was sustainable. And so what, where I stand now in the talents coaching company, I'm the founder and the CEO of that coaching company is I really work to help people expand their talents, like to take whatever they have right now and grow it. And so I'm in a relationship with folks to help them grow what they currently have and expand it, whatever that looks like for them. It could be for to grow their real estate portfolio. It could be to, I'm also an Airbnb super host. So it could be to get into the Airbnb market. It could be to open up life insurance policies like we've just talked about a moment ago and grow their generational wealth. I'm a strong believer in that. And also learning how to use those policies as leverage and tools in the real estate market as well. And just really how to win in the economy with our money. Um, I have a lot of conversations that I feel like don't happen very often. Um, I bring a lot of conversations that I think particularly, you know, white communities have been having at brunch every Sunday that we don't technically, we don't typically have and, or they have on the golf course and we're not usually there. Um, and I have a lot of really powerful conversations one-on-one -on -one with folks about their money mindset. For example, let's see, I have a client that I was just working with yesterday who she wants to buy a house. Um, doesn't have the savings, doesn't have the credit, et cetera. And when we really looked, you know, we discovered like her relationship with money was that she was constantly trying to control her money. And the result of that was the exact opposite of what she wanted. So she was trying to control her money to avoid being impoverished, which she had been before. But today her trying to control it made it for her an experience of a lack of freedom. And so what she ended up doing was spending a lot of money eating out and spending a lot of money buying coffee every morning instead of making it at home. And we found that she was spending over $600 a month just like on those things because she had this context in her relationship with money that really didn't work no matter what. So I work with people one-on-one -on -one and in small groups there first because if I can teach you all day about your credit, your budget, you know, how to save, how to buy a house, like how to be an Airbnb host, all that jazz. I can teach you about life insurance and real estate. 
But if your relationship with your money is not an empowering one, then whatever I teach you is going to be lost eventually anyway. So that's largely what I do. Um, so the coaching that I do is like the umbrella. It's like basically the tool belt. And then on the tool belt, I have a number of tools that I work with folks one-on-one with and advise them depending on what their goals are. Um, so that's a bit about me. I feel like that was a mouthful. <laughs> um, what I would love to do if we have the time for it is I recognize that I can talk to the community about being a coach all day. And unless, you know, I can demonstrate what I do, it might get a little lost as to what it is that I'm actually talking about and what I do. So I would love to open it up if there's anyone on the call who would like to get just like try on like some on the spot coaching around their money relationship and see what happens and see what we uncover. So is anybody willing to be coached for a few minutes and see what we find out? Yup. <laughs> Perfect. Who am I talking to? Sorry for blurting out so, so fast. Uh, this is Leonard in Detroit. Perfect, Leonard, I love your enthusiasm. No problem. <laughs> So what, can you give me a glimpse, like what does your money life look like or what is currently not working in your money life? Like it's, or it's not working like you'd like it to. So um, I've had a few different financial conversations um, with people. And one of the latest things that I've, I've heard about was um, not actually saving money, like in an account, but allowing your money to work for you while you have it. And I'm trying to find a decent balance in that. It, it's a little tough because, um, like, fortunately enough, you know, my wife and I make decent enough, decent enough money to where we're not living check to check and things are okay, but we feel like some money is slipping through the cracks somewhere and we haven't yeah. figured out exactly where and how. Um, yeah one new thing that we've been trying um is the whole use your credit card thing so mm. allow yourself to use your credit card on a month-to-month -month basis that way you can see what you're what you're using and then pay that off monthly mm -hmm. um, we've been doing that for a few months um it's it's showing me that i'm not spending as much money as she is <laughs> still not it's still it's still not as clear as I needed to be. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're looking for is just more clarity as to where all of the dollars are going. Is that correct? And then yes. my, my question is like, what's your big, like, what's your big goal? Like what ultimately do you want for your financial life? So course the financial freedom but I would like the opportunity to like I would like to not have to look at my accounts on a regular basis to find out what's going on like I, I want to feel like I know and then I also want to put myself in position to to do something else like I don't want to just be a nine-to-five guy my entire life okay. I'd like to do something different so if I could figure out a way to to have some money to invest into something, then that would be amazing. 
Yeah. Okay, I got it. So, Leonard, what really, what exactly is keeping you from knowing where every dollar is going? So, well, the way we spend. Sometimes my wife may be, well, our schedules are, like, when I'm at work, she's off. When she's off, I'm at work. And so, a lot of times, you know, we're just kind of, like, going with the flow, and we have two children. So, with that, you got to, we just, like, I, I live on the fly. If my kids ask me for something, that they pretty much are going to get it, you know, so... I may spend extra and forget to make mention or write it down or, or something like that. Yeah, my wife will be able to go to account because we have one account that we share. Like, of course, you know, the joint account. And for the most part, if it happens for the kids or family type stuff, that's what we use. Mm -hmm. Only when I don't want my wife to know what I did for my kids is when I use my personal. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so if I've got this correct, for the most part, you and your wife make, make enough money that you can cover your expenses without having to worry too much. So you basically just swipe for whatever you need and you don't really pay attention to the exact dollar amount of what you're swiping because you, you think you're good. And then if there's somewhere you want to go over, you swipe on your account and she doesn't know about it. Is that right? Correct. Okay, got it. Okay, got it. Um, and I also got that you want to be an entrepreneur one day and you want to have the ability to just swipe and not really look. Like you don't really want to have to look at the dollars down to the dollars and cents. That's not what you want. Absolutely. No, it's not like I'm just out spending all kinds of money ridiculously. Yeah, like yeah. Thing, but I just want to, want to be comfortable enough to, if if someone orders something extra, I don't have to, Wonder how much that costs too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Leonard, what is it gonna take for you to get to the point of getting comfortable enough where you don't have to look? What does that look like? It's a good question. Um, does that mean you're making, you know, X amount of dollars more? Yeah, I would say that that means I have a a, a steady flow or, or a nice yeah, X amount of I'm making X amount of dollars. Yeah. on a regular basis so I don't have to worry because I know I don't spend as much as I make. Yeah. I want you to try something on. And it's not necessarily right or wrong, but just try it on and see if it fits. Okay. In 2019, in 2020 or 2021, you're making 50% more money than you make. And you're still practicing the same behavior of swiping and not really paying attention. However, you know you're good, you know you're not going outlandishly, but you're still kind of swiping up to the limit because now you've got more money, so you're filling it up with the things that you really want. And you're still kind of on the treadmill running in the same place. Okay. So I assert that what is missing, there's something else missing. It's not that you just don't know where all the dollars are going. Perhaps it's just that you don't, you just don't want to look you don't want to track it that closely, or there's something else, but I assert that whatever's showing up here in this area of your life is always also showing up somewhere else in your life. Where else, if you look, can you see that you do, you do this? 
where you just kind of go with the flow and you do what you know works, but you're not really getting ahead and you're not really paying close attention to details. Um, wow, I need to unpack that. Let's see. Okay, take your time. where it's just a go, 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 not really paying attention. The only thing I can think about, right, just like right off the top is like my vehicle and vehicle maintenance. Okay. You know, I'm a, gas, I'm a gas and go kind of guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what is that experience like? Is there an impact? Like, what's that like for you? I'm not really sure I understand. Like to just be someone who you don't really pay attention to the gas, you just gas and go. Like, what is there an impact of being that way? Absolutely. What's yeah? What's the impact? Like, like two days ago, I didn't, I didn't have as much gas in my vehicle as I thought I did, and I went to push my auto start, and it was freezing outside, and I mm -hmm. went outside to find out that my vehicle was still cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cute. <laughs> and that's really great, Leonard. Like in that scenario, you know, luckily it's not life or death. It's your vehicle. You know, you, I'm sure clearly you made it to wherever you needed to get to. But if, I, if you continue to look, you'll see other areas of your life where you do kind of the same thing. How we do anything is how we do everything. So if this is how you're being in your money life, it's how you're being in your relationship with your car, it's how you're likely being at work, it's how you're being in other areas. You know, you're making it, you're going along, but there's not a whole lot in reserve and you're not really getting anywhere either. You're kind of like stuck in this same window of a place, not getting to where you want to go and not really having a whole lot of that. Okay. And so I would encourage you to look at what is the impact of that on your dream of becoming an entrepreneur? And what is it gonna take to become an entrepreneur and have the capital investment that you're gonna need? And then I would ask you, you know, what's it worth to you? What do you really want? Because you're a smart guy. We've been on the call before. <laughs> and you leave this group. You have the tools and the capacity. No, it's the wrong Leonard. What's that? This is the other Leonard. Oh, this is another Leonard. Okay, great. I'm not the boss Leonard. I'm the little Leonard. Okay, perfect. Well, you're on this call, so you're a smart guy. You're here anyway, right? You have everything that you need to have everything you want. And there's just something in your way. And you're allowing it to be in your way to not get to the next step. Absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned, I am, I, I do well enough to where that's, it's not, you know, completely an issue, but um, I'm a nine to five guy and I don't want to be. So I do put into it over enough to make it by, but that's what I'm, my focus is, is to come in to make the money and get back home to my family. I don't genuinely enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And what's that like for you? Um, it's, um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, especially when I know that I have so many, so much more to give and so much more to put into the universe. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating, but my problem has been um, a few things. Opportunity and um, really like the confidence, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was an athlete for a long time and, you know, my confidence with that is through the roof. Yeah. But slowly, you know, coming down and becoming more mortal, you know, things have changed and I'm not as confident as I used to be. I think, um, and then like, you know, my job isn't mine. You know, I work at a company for someone else. Yeah. You know, this isn't, it's not my passion. So I think that is yeah. what hinders me. Yep. Yeah. I get that. That your job is not really your, something you're passionate about. So you kind of go in, you clock in, you clock out. It can be kind of draining sometimes. You don't really have the energy left to pursue what you really want that matters to you. And it's kind of a recreating cycle. It's recreating you feel like you don't have the confidence you used to have. You know, it's kind of all feeding back in. It's like a feedback loop. It's feeding back into itself. Right. Yeah. I got that. I got that. And the impact is you don't have the energy or the time to pursue your dream and your vision and what you really love that would make you come alive and then be a bigger benefit to yourself and your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. Like I got a few things that I do. Like, so I do videography on the side mm -hmm. and I love it to the point to where when I get off work tonight, I'm going home to go do video for a few hours because I just finished shooting mm -hmm. a conference out of state. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what time I go to sleep. Mm. I'll end up getting up and dragging myself to work the next day. Mm -hmm. But I'll feel okay about it because I got some real stuff done with something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. And it sounds kind of like you're stuck between, we would say, a rock and a hard place, though I don't really believe in that. <laughs> but you're stuck between two things. You've got this videography business that you love but it's not maybe generating enough for you to leave your job full-time and do that full-time. And then you've got the full-time job that pays the bills and then you're drained in between. So it leaves you without the energy to look at all the items on your, you know, credit card slip or on your checking account, right? For all the swipes. Right. Yeah. So this is largely what I do for a living is I work with people and I have conversations just like this and I help them create structures and we get present to the impact of what they're currently doing and what the impact is on their life, their family, their money, you know, their vision. And so I think you've gotten really present to what the impact is of all of this on your money. You're not really tracking it, you know, because you're kind of drained and you're working multiple jobs. And on your work, it's not really all that you love, but you're doing it anyway. So we would work together to create some structures and like in, in a new context. So it's kind of like you're going with the flow and it's business as usual. Right. So, yeah. So if you could create a new context for yourself to relate to your money, but also your work and like entirely like to your life, what would that be? Say that one more time. Uh, excuse me. I this is uh, uh, Kaya Shivers, and I, I apologize for interjecting, 
I'm in Italy, like I said, and I, it's almost four in the morning and I, <laughs> I got to go to work. <laughs> so um, I wanted to interject because I just wanted to throw this out, 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 out there. I have a question and I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question first and then I'm just going to provide context. I would like to know, it's a two-part question. One, what is your definition of, of generational wealth as opposed to wealth? It has always been my understanding that when you say wealth, it means that generational is already woven into that understanding. That's my first question. So what is your definition? And then the second question is, is that what does that look like specifically for black people in the United States? I'm going to give this context. My parents are from the South. My father is from Mississippi. Uh, by way of Alabama, as we understand it, my mother is from Louisiana. On both sides of my my um, family, family members had to flee where they are from, or they had to go underground. But all of it resulted in them losing hundreds of acres of land. When I get, when you hear these stories growing up, it it it's it's just something that is considered tragic in um it's, it's it's considered tragic in the family narrative but now as a woman who excuse me i'm sorry but can you guys hear me yeah we hear you hello okay i just wanted to make sure i i apologize but now as a woman who has a family i'm in my mid 40s now i have begun to reflect, particularly when my grandmother passed and said that there was over 1,400 acres or so of land around St. Martinville, Louisiana, that she actually walked away from because her, her, was it her father's body parts were found on the train tracks by St. Martinville. And so she left all that land, but growing up in Los Angeles, uh, and wanting to go back or just wanting to have more land, I often think of what would have happened if I if 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 family members inherited that land. So and and I might be assuming something. Most of the people on the call are African American folk or Black folk, Black Indigenous folk, and perhaps might have that reality of being dispossessed of land, money, and are really starting from scratch in their perspective um, careers. So, and then the second thing is, is that I'm a professor. I am a professor at New York University and um, I'm in Florence because New York University has a campus in Florence. I'm gonna give you an idea of the type of students I teach. One particular student, when we were talking about where do you live, told the class that he lived on a family compound hmm, okay, a family compound, and he's from China. Well, what is that family compound? He says, it is <laughs> land where there's, you know, different housing that my family has owned for 1,000 years. That totally went over my head. And the and he said, oh, yeah, you know, my it, it, it's, it's on the suburb, I don't know, Beijing or Shanghai. I can't remember. And uh, um, he said, yeah, you know, my family, we have a lot of land, you know, very well, you know, they're very wealthy, obviously. He didn't say wealth. 
that's when you know you got money. You don't have to say it. And he said, you know, and, you know, they're looking to sell this family compound because as the population grows and the city is expanding, it's actually encroaching, you know, onto the compound. Well, the next semester, uh, one of the students from the class pulled me aside and said, oh, Professor Shivers, you know, this student, and let me tell you how ballerific this guy was. He didn't even have a last name. That's, and I said, well, why don't you have a last name? I forgot the guy's name. He said, oh, well, I'm from, he's like a descendant, a direct descendant of the, um, what, what is this guy? Genghis Khan. So anyway, that was a little deviation. So the student, another student, less message said, oh, well, you know, um, the guy, he, he told me that his family sold his land, the land that they, you know, they moved on. I said, wow. He said, do you want to know how much they sold the land for? I was like, yeah. He said, oh, 900 million U.S. dollars. I cannot Wow. Comprehend. I cannot comprehend that. So when I hear the term wealth and generational wealth, particularly because I know like that's been like a, a, what I would call like a catchphrase or a term that has been generating, you know, with black folk in the United States, like we want to get generational wealth, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around how do we do that with the history that we have. And so many of us are first generation people making money or people in the generation starting over, or we are the people who are holding the whole families down, so on and so forth. Um, and so what I know working at NYU as the child of a man who used to pick cotton in Mississippi is, is that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for sure the whole, and I'm truly asking this, I'm not for sure in terms of the whole definition of wealth and what wealth looks like, but I know wealth does exist in networks. Like it is not a, a silo thing. Like these people are global folk who have two and three citizenships, two and three passports, $10,000 a month. Uh, these, these are kids, $10,000 a month, um, 18, 19 year olds. Uh, what do you call the stipends from, the, from their parents? It is, it, is, it is a concept that is extremely foreign to me. So I would really like perhaps for there to be an explanation in the two, questions. Thank you. Hello. Um, hi. I'm not quite sure where we should go from here. Uh, I believe that that concludes my time that I was allotted. If we have more time, I'd love to continue working with Leonard and then address afterwards. Um, but I also want to be mindful of the agenda. So Leonard and Jamin, I'm going to default to you how you'd like to move from here. Um, this is Leonard Lightfoot, uh, the co-founder here. Um, I think, first of all, I wanna thank you for the, uh, the, the coaching session. Thank you, Leonard, for being so transparent. Um, I thought that was a great dialogue, um, especially in the community setting. Um, I think, you know, a lot of us share a lot of those exact same experiences, so, um, it lets us know that we're not alone and that we're all struggling to try to become better at this, right? This is a, it's a, it's a life learning type of thing. It's not something that's do overnight, but um, I think in the interest of time, we probably maybe could do the coaching session, finish that up um, at another time or, or offline. I just would like people to kind of get a chance to speak and get their questions in. Uh, so with that, I, I would like to just have the community chime in on what is, you know, what are your thoughts on generational wealth is? 
hey, this is Sharice. Um, uh, I'm an attorney in Los Angeles, and like the sister that just spoke, um, I'm descended of people from Mississippi and Louisiana um, and also Texas, and we own land in Texas, and we used to own land in Mississippi, and we lost it um, for not paying taxes. I, I want to talk about what generational wealth looks like um, for Black people, then also give my situation, because I was trying to chime in, like, I need some coaching, too. Um, we think about generational wealth, I think, from a um, majority perspective, and I think we need to have our own definition for African Americans, because we have been victims of racism, classism, um, because a lot of us do come from a history of being descended of slaves. And I mentioned ADOS Los Angeles earlier. That was one of the reasons that I joined that movement is because we're trying to seek reparations for uh, American descendants of slavery and also try to close the racial wealth gap. Um, Claude Anderson wrote a book called um, Black Labor, White Wealth. And he actually goes through, um, you know, the difference between what white people are born with and black people are born with as far as net worth. And in my situation, I feel like my um, life and my ability to attain wealth in the American dream has been stifled because I'm African-American. Um, and I actually have kind of hit a wall and have inconsistent income because I'm a contractor and I have my own business. Um, and, and the business I'm in is definitely discriminatory against women, but more so discriminatory against African-American women. I'm African-American, excuse me. And I think for generational wealth, we um, sometimes I think Black people see it as doing better than the previous generation, buying cars, houses, you know, being able to afford trips, you know, putting your kids through college. And I think we really need to look at defining generational wealth as being able to um, compete with the rest of America, i.e. white people, um, and the, the wealth that we attain and being able to actually leave something to our children so that they are born with, um, if not the same as a close amount of wealth that white children are born with. Hi, this is Jayla. Um, I just wanted to kind of chime in on generational wealth. Um, I used to be a trust administrator and I sat at Wells Fargo and looked at trust all day. I was responsible for all of the money for high net worth individuals. And one day I came across a hundred million dollars in one trust owned by one person that would come into the San Francisco branch and you would never know that he had access to this by what he looked like. And it made me realize or think deeper, how did this money get here? What is it controlled by? How do you do this? And I wanted to figure that out so I could help my community. So what I came to was I've never seen a trust without marketable securities, which means stocks and bonds and it's an investment. Usually the bigger the trust, they had businesses and business interests that they put in their trust. And they, the wealthy have budgets. They have allowances. As a trust administrator, I like to tell everybody that I was giving the wealthy allowances. Unless their trust document said they could have it outright, 
they had to go through me to get it. And that's just not something you see in the black community. You see when somebody dies, you get the money outright. And then if you don't have the financial literacy to care for that money or the right money mindset, as we've heard, then you're not going to end up with any money that transitions to the next generation, especially if you don't have an estate plan. So that's why I created my own business to make sure people understood the benefits of an estate plan, because you're right, you do hear a lot of talk about generational wealth and everybody's throwing around the term, but nobody has a will or a trust. Nobody understands the difference in a will and a trust. There's so much miscommunication and lack of education so that I'm having to just start from the beginning and explain to people that having a will is not going to protect you from probate creditors. It's going to make sure that attorneys and courts in the state get statutory money from whatever you left. And you can protest and keep wills in litigation for decades. So to me, generational wealth is making sure money goes to the next generation. And I don't think we realize how little money needs to go to the next generation and stay in a trust that it can exceed far beyond what it started with. Because in a trust, you have to invest it. And if you have a trustee, it's got to sit there. So time, time is generational wealth. Time is wealth. Hey, this is Tani. I want to pop in really quick and just co-sign on pretty much everything Jayla just said. Thank you for that. I think time really matters. And one thing you, I really loved about what you said was that the person who had the $100 million trust, you would never guess that that was them when they walked into the bank. I think that a lot of times we get caught up in thinking that being wealthy is the opportunity to show that we have lots of money. And I drastically and grossly disagree with that. I think that I mean, I still have multiple properties. I worked in a nonprofit. I just did very well with my money and living below my means, but I still drive a nine-year-old Honda Civic. Like I don't invest my money in depreciating assets. Like I'm just not going to do it. You know, unless I make multi-million a year, then maybe, but not while I'm in the wealth building stages. And even if all I can save extra is an extra hundred bucks a month or 50 bucks here and there, putting it into a trust or putting it into my business and investing it there or putting it into an, an investment account where it's going to grow over time is going to give me more money later to pass down. And to me, that's generational wealth is passing down anything. Like we can compare ourselves to folks who have centuries old families and have $900 million of wealth, but like, why? Comparison is the thief of joy. I'm not going to do that. But I think every single one of us can do something, even if it's $5 a week on in a stash account, right, on our phone, or something really simple, like just not upgrading. Because what we tend to do is we make more money and we spend more money. And then we make more and we spend more. And that's not the way to grow to abundance. I, so. I agree. And I wanted to uh, jump in here. This is Jamin Butler. Um, I'm loving the discussion and everyone's contribution thus far. Thank you, Tani. Uh, thank you, Kaia. Thank you, Jayla. Um, I just want to set, make sure everyone on the call knows that 
you can contact these professionals um, in our uh, Black Coffee community. We want everyone to make themselves available so that you can. I know a few folks mentioned they would love to get some one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I see that uh, there's a question about how do we set up trust? Uh, and how is this going to be a next topic? That was actually our first webinar, but uh, there's a need. We will revisit it uh, on a future call. Um, in the interest of time. So we have about 15 minutes left of discussion time and then we'll be getting to the action item, uh, follow, you know, scheduling the next call. We're gonna end at 7.30, keep time sharp. Um, so there was a great question that's been asked a couple times. So I feel like this is an opportunity to get some more input from folks on the call. What is generational wealth? What does that mean to you? That is a, one of the goals of our call to understand that topic and then discuss how we can go about pursuing it. So please, anyone jump in. Hey, this is Brandon. I have a, uh, I have a, I have a, a, a comment on that um, along the same lines of the question. Like we talk about um, different things that'll get us there to wealth building. One of them being, you know, protecting our spending habits or having, having to develop our spending habits and things like that. But what are some actual things? And this, I guess, this ties into the whole question of generational wealth and what it is. But what are the things needed? to begin building? Like, is it buying property? Is it um, investing in stocks and all those things? Those are some of the things that I kind of want to know about. Cause I mean, myself and my family, we've been practicing our, you know, good spending habits and making sure we're taking care of our credit scores and things like that. You know, whether you believe in credit scores or not, those are the things that my family is doing. But it's when it comes to like the actual steps to building wealth, like, I don't know that I'm necessarily doing that. I don't know that I'm taking the right steps to doing that, of doing that. Um, I won't give my input as well on generational wealth. Uh, my, my, my idea about it is kind of a little bit differently because as a community, right, on a, on a yearly basis, we spend trillions of dollars. So I, I believe that we're wealthy right now, uh, to be completely transparent. We just have been conditioned to give our wealth away instead of pool it together in our community and buy assets so that we can all profit off of it. I feel like generational wealth is building up um, something like that compound that the, the first young lady was talking about that that young man's family has had for a thousand years. That's generational wealth, being able to like pass it down so that your kids, 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 kids can enjoy it. And um, you know, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I, I found that Forex and, and cryptocurrency was a, a real simple, easy way to start building wealth. You don't need a lot of money to get into the Forex market. You just have to really learn the skill. Uh, same thing with cryptocurrency. Like, I don't know if anybody follows Bitcoin or any type of crypto, but Bitcoin just broke $10,000. And it's a very unique space because I see it as like the internet of money. People didn't really understand the internet when it first came out, but the innovators that moved on it and did something with it are now billionaires and have created generational wealth. So, um, you know, just, just little simple things like that. And I do believe in real estate. I believe in life insurance. I believe in all these different types of things. But um, as far as getting started, you know, and anybody can hit me as well in the, in the Black Coffee community group if they want to talk more about Forex and crypto. I definitely want to know more about trust, how to start a trust. I'm very interested in that myself. Uh, and whoever I can reach out to, please let me know because I, I, I want to I wanna grow more than just my Forest account, you feel me? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, we can hear you, Jerome. Oh, good. Um, I want to say something on generational wealth. Um, generational wealth is something that you have to have certain 
structures put into place. And I think the difference between someone being wealthy now, most people that are have generational wealth think in terms of 100-year plan. Where is my family going to be in three generations from now? So they also make sure they educate their children from that perspective. Also, if you're going to build wealth, like, like the young lady was talking about cryptocurrency, you can do it that way. You can do it via real estate. You can do it by scaling your business. But the most important thing is you have to have a tax person. You have to have an accountant. You have to have a real estate person. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, a tax person, accountant, and a insurance person. So, and you have to come up with this plan. Like the first step can be, like someone was talking about his family. He, he can be the first generation. Maybe he buys a couple of homes, but he has to school his children in whatever wealth building endeavors they decide to go into. Also, you need to, if you have children, you need to look at what their strengths are. If you have a, a, someone that gravitates toward real estate, push that. If someone gravitates towards creating an app or intellectual property, that's another avenue. And just one last thing to mention, um, I would advise everyone to do research on something that's called a family office. And what a family office is, is you need to have at least $10 million. Uh, your net worth needs to be at least a minimum of 10 to $15 million. And what people do in family offices, all they do is they meet with other wealthy individuals and then they come together and do deals together. And that's how they, they exponentially grow their wealth. So that's kind of what I had to say on, on that. Hey, this is um, Denise. So, um, and thank you for what you put in the chat, Tani. Um, so I, I feel like these are all really great strategies to build wealth. Um, and I think what's missing, I know for me, um, as a single person with no children, um, what's missing for me is a plan. So uh, a lot of these avenues I can go through, I, I have a universal life policy, I own property, I Airbnb, I have several streams of income. So I have for me, great, I'm doing well. I know I overspend on liquor because I have a bar. And so that's probably where I probably go overboard, but, but ultimately what I'm missing is a plan. So life is good for me, uh, I want to have something in place to care for people who come after me. A family compound would be great. I love the idea of that. So whether I'm here or not here anymore, that people can still, you know, plug in and have a place to stay or that, you know, you're not worried about going out and buying a house and each person is having to just get their own because I've done it for them and I've left a path for them. And so, um, in terms of generational wealth, what I am missing is a plan, I think. And so I would love whatever the breadcrumbs are that can be dropped to help in terms of building that plan, like what should be the next thing I would look at? Well, I think what someone mentioned, this is on Jerome again, like having a living trust, making sure you have a trust attorney available, um, making sure that, that you have proper insurances in place, to protect your assets. So those types of things are going to keep your assets growing. And then also, whoever you want to have access to your, your assets, make sure they're being educated by whoever's raising them.
Hey, this is Gino. Um, I, I think for me, I'm, I also don't have any kids, but um, I have nieces and nephews. And for me, generational wealth um, is not just about if I create my own family, but those who are in my family as well, like how could they benefit from, you know, my hard work or how can they take, how can they continue my hard work or whatever it goes. But uh, I think for me, like I, I need, I want to know how to, what what's the first step into creating a plan for them? So that way I can, give that information to them and then they can like someone just said they could pass it on to the next generation but I had to teach them I think first why I'm doing it and then what they can do to improve it or to continue and things like that. Gino um this is Jayla in Los Angeles the best thing that you can do for them is one to have an estate plan because there's pretty much no way your money is going to get to your nieces and nephews if you don't have an estate plan because Per the state, if your mother and father or your siblings are still alive, the money's going to go to them. And it's going to be a long process before a lot of people have to be um, passed away for your niece and nephew to receive the money. So you don't want to rely on the state to do it. Um, in that case, even having a will and specifying what you want your niece and nephew to obtain. And then having conversations with them because one of the things that I recommend, if you're giving your money that you've worked hard or your property that you've worked hard for to someone, are they financially savvy enough to grow this money and live off of it? Or are they probably going to spend it or are they minors and not ready for it? If they're minors and not ready for it, or if you don't think they'll grow it and it'll last for the next generation, then that's where we start recommending trust. Because a trust is an entity that can continue for a very long time. It will outlast probably everybody on this call plus 100 years, if that's how you've set it up. And they're very flexible documents. There's just not that much talk about them because... I mean, I was just told that, oh, it's only for millionaires. No, it's not. But the trust can make sure to achieve your ideals. So if you want your niece and nephew to go to school, you can specify that in your trust. If you want them to have it for a down payment or to only be used to start their business, you can do that with a trust. So that's my recommendation for you. Okay, thank you. Loving those recommendations. Uh, we have about five minutes left, and then we're going to go to some action items. Leonard has a scenario that we'd love for you guys to consider. Is there anybody else that would like to share, uh, ask questions, talk about what they believe generational wealth means to them? Anybody that hasn't spoken thus far? Hey, this is. I first. have a question. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Never mind. Go ahead, Chris. Um, for me, generational wealth is just. I think leaving the knowledge to the generations that come behind us. I think that's something as a community that often gets lost. A lot of times, you know, you have a grandparent or somebody who's pretty financially savvy and when they pass that knowledge just kind of goes away. And I know for me, I don't want to spend my life, you know, budgeting and making 
sound financial decisions and then I leave it to somebody who just kind of squanders it. So for me as a community, I think having conversations about um, assets and wealth building and sharing that information and passing it down is very important. Um, you know, you can make all the right financial decisions, but if you leave it to the wrong person, it's like you didn't even make that sacrifice. So I think, you know, sharing the the hardships, sharing, you know, stories about, you know, bad family investments and how things that you could have done differently, I think that's very important in terms of generational wealth because you don't want to build it if it's not going to be maintained. Can I ask a quick question? You sure can. Um, what is the suggestion to try to maintain general, generational wealth um, when the, more likely than not, the people I'm going to be talking to, dealing with, interacting with family members, you know, maybe even myself, um, experienced uh, layoffs, underemployment, et cetera. Um, I'm a very big advocate, Jamin, as you know, of um, fire, the fire movement, of course, living under your, your means, below your means. Um, but that's kind of hard, especially in a city like LA. So if anybody has any suggestions, I would greatly appreciate them so I could pass them along. Well, Leonard, I think this might be a great time. Um, so one of our, the key, I guess, the foundation to what we felt has been uh, the accelerant to our success has been that we work as a team. Um, we work as a collective uh, and truly we're a community. Um, we, we're our family, our kids, they all talk and communicate through this business. Um, we've had arguments, we've had makeups, we've had great successes, we've had mistakes, but it's taught us uh, how to trust each other and work together. And uh, I'm confident that, you know, if I were to pass away today or tomorrow, that, you know, my community, the, the folks that I've worked with, would step up and help provide the, the direction that they, that they need. Now, those who are my peers and older, um, you know, we, we have suggestions on how they can create similar structures. Leonard, do you want to talk about this suggestion? Yeah, I mean, everybody, I mean, the main theme behind generational wealth that everybody kind of touched on in some form or fashion is like community um, economics, just working as a team, right? You cannot do it on your own, no matter how good you think you are. Any of these startups, there's a team behind them, right? Uh, it's not just a single person. Um, to get to that point. Um, so we just put together a very simple hypothetical scenario just showing the power of working together. Um, in the on the Facebook community, we kind of just did a, a poll in a sense of like, who will be interested in doing like an investment club? I think this is one of the easiest ways of kind of having this collective um, economics come together as like an investment club. So we say, say for example, 60 people are you know, contributing monthly um, to an investment club. Um, at $100 per month, you know, after a year, that's $7,200. After five, that's 36,000. 10 years, that's 72,000. That's just 
what you're putting in. Leonard, uh, my bad. I just saw a mistake on the PowerPoint. We made a, um, there was a typo. Uh, after year one, uh, with, with your scenario, it's actually 72,000. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> off by, by magnitude. But, um, but the point is that, you know, the money grows and um, by bringing your money in together, it gives you, you know, increased purchasing power. Like, for example, when we first got together, you know, if I just have $50, I only could buy so much. But if 100 people bring $50 to the table, maybe we can start to buy an investment property or something. And like we mentioned on this call, time is our greatest asset. The earlier we start, the better. So that's why we need to work together. Start now so the money can grow. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there in that savings account and not do anything. So um, that was kind of the, the main point of the scenario. Um, so you got increased buying power and there's a, you also have to share the risk, right? Uh, you're not taking on all the risk yourself. You're taking, you're spreading it across. And that's what uh, Drone kind of mentioned. I, I forgot the exact term about the wealthy coming together and, and working, right? To figure out ways to grow money. Uh, yep, it's like a family office, basically. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I think these same principles, it doesn't have to be just the wealthy. I think we could do it whatever level you're at. It just takes commitment, you no know, budgeting, a mindset change, um, time, and, and patience to, to do these things. So, with that, I'll just turn it back over to Jamie. And, my, and, and before Jamie starts, hold on. Sorry, Jamie, this is Brandon. But, like, uh, I know that what, what we see on a on the screen is a hypothetical situation and scenario, but we actually did this when we came together as our, our, our five members and we started putting our money together. We actually started to invest our money and it grew that much faster. Now that's a little bit more risky, but I mean, um, this scenario here just shows the money that you would have after, you know, after that time, if you're just putting it in there and not necessarily investing. All right, go ahead, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. Everybody contributed. Uh, one last thing about this scenario. So what we, I asked about a few weeks back in our Black Coffee community about uh, folks, what would they be comfortable in amounts investing in a club? So over 60 people uh, commented and chose selections. The, uh, the median number was $100 uh, per month. So that this now with the corrected figure, you know, that'd be $72,000 in one year if those 60 people came together and put up $100 per month, all right? 72000 Yeah, You can buy that. You can at least put a down payment on that compound year one. In five years, in certain states, you're buying it. In certain countries, you're owning multiple. Uh, in 10 years, you know, as the scenario goes. So there is strength in the collective. So this scenario will be posted in our community. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation there. We have another uh, call coming on March, scheduled for March 4th. That one will be about entrepreneurship, smart for, uh, focus for small business owners. We'll be talking about uh, taxes and such. Uh, so we just thank everybody that contributes to these calls. If you have questions or comments, please always, you can talk in the community. Uh, we're gonna open up this last 10 minutes for any more discussion if anybody felt they wanted to share and we're gonna be ending at 7.30. So thanks again, everybody that contributed to the call today. Hey, Jamin, uh, TJ. Um, I apologize, I missed a lot of the call. There was some co connection issues when I was driving. Um, but a lot of the, uh, when we talk about generational wealth, one of the things I hear from different 
um, opportunities, whether it be investing in real estate, um, different markets, whether it be um, you know the stock market, crypto, uh, forex. There's a lot of different ideas and vehicles out there to really compound the different efforts. I think the most important thing for everyone who maybe does not necessarily have the uh, the uh, um, bandwidth or, or interest in necessarily investing in a vehicle like that, the most important thing is going to be definitely to please have life insurance, because whether or not you are a W-2 employee or you are self-employed or you uh, you know are able to build through real estate or other markets, at the end of the day, you know when we pass, we want to make sure that you have um, you know that money protected going to your family or your loved ones who your, that hard work going to most um, you know at least term insurance is relatively inexpensive and so as we're talking about some of the other vehicles to really help build generational wealth one of the first things that needs to be on that checklist of activities regardless of what plan direction you're going to leverage is insur is insurance um, outside of your employment uh, most people are either underinsured or have no insurance and the insurance they do have is unfortunately through their employer but we're aware that you know people change jobs regularly and so you will lose that protection if you don't have insurance outside of your employer thanks so much tj anybody else want to share what does generational wealth mean to you did you have any questions about anything you heard today on the call Uh, yeah, this is um, Jerome. Actually, I have a question. Um, the scenario that you had with the um, 60 people investing $100 a month, was that just an example? Or is that something that you guys are looking to put together? You know, that is something we discussed as a team. Um, and we felt that ultimately it's up for the community to decide. You know, we've built this collective. We've trying to cultivate it. We've uh, tried to provide as much uh, resources and been transparent throughout this whole process. Uh, mm -hmm. And if that's a demand or something that the community wants to see, we would like to see that, you know, that energy. That's just, but that's just me speaking for myself, just Jamin. Okay. Uh, everyone's welcome to share their thoughts. And uh, the only reason I was asking, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Buyback the Block Los Angeles. Um, it's a group that meets over at the Metaphor Club on Crenshaw. And what we've done is there's there's um, a group of investors. We've, each person puts in $3,000 each and we raise 51 grand. And what we're doing is we're buying properties in the Indianapolis location and we're flipping them. And the goal is to get X amount of dollars and bring it back and buy something somewhere in Los Angeles County, like some small small units. That's awesome, man. That's how long so, yeah, if, if 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 it's something that you guys are doing, I'm I'm interested. So yeah, it seems like that might be a, you know a topic on its own. Just how how does that work, right? Um, because like with the buyback the block group, there's a lot of people who have different expertise. We have people who know how to flip. There's realtors. There's people who are, have finance. Um, there's some people who are learning about real estate. So it's there. I mean, my thing is the our, our community, the, the black coffee community and just the black community on the whole, we have a lot of knowledge. It's just 
we've never come together and put that knowledge together to grow our assets. And buyback the block is one example of how they're actually doing that. So, and we also created an LLC for for our investments as well. So, the risk the risk stays there within the LLC. Doesn't come back to your primary residence or any other assets that you might own. Jerome, I for one, one, I thank you for sharing this information with us on the call tonight. And uh, but two, I don't want to put more work on you. Is it possible that you could type up a sentence or two, put this to post that in the community, kind of share about this topic? So for those yeah. who unfortunately had to miss the call today, could weigh in and just learn about the opportunity. Um, I, for one, am interested. You know, I'm very close with my brothers at the Metaphor Club, and I did not know about this. So. Um, yeah, because um, the, the person that put together Buyback the Block LA, he specifically chose Metaphor Club because it's a, it's a black meeting site. So that's why we have our meetings there. So it, it, it's, a, it's about uh, cooperative economics, keep the money as many black hands as possible. But yeah, not, not a problem. I can do that. Thank you so much, Jerome. I appreciate that. You're welcome. We've got about five more minutes. Was anybody else that wanted to share? I did want to chime in. This is uh, Leonard in Detroit. Um, so from everything I understand, this is just in life. Um, I was told that you're supposed to surround yourself with people that are better than you. And it's been kind of hard to find that kind of platform. And I feel like I have, and I appreciate you all for these calls and doing what y'all doing. Thank you very much. I definitely, definitely want to second that. I appreciate this call so much. I learned, I learned a lot on this call. I'm definitely uh, looking forward to uh, the last gentleman that spoke before uh, you that just said that, sir. Uh, and getting into a part of that that type of collective and, and whatever you guys are going to do with the coffee community. Uh, I'm already a part of stuff like that. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited about that. So thank you so much for this call this evening and taking y'all's time to put this together. And uh, uh, this is Gino. Uh, Farron, I want to say thank you as well uh, because you opened um, kind of like the idea of looking outside of what is traditional. Uh, I know you spoke about uh, cryptocurrency and, and other forms like that. So um, I want to say thank you for, for adding that to the conversation as well. Very, very happy I can add some value for you, Gino, and everybody else that added value for it. Thank you so much. Please, and please feel free to post about it in our community. That's what, I mean, we're, it's a discussion space. Um, you know, we just try to regulate in terms of uh, things getting too repetitive, but we love the new ideas, you know, all about folks, you know, a true community coming together. And please, y'all take this uh, information back to your families, uh, share it, you know, start these um, investment clubs yourself amongst friends if you want, just, just leave here doing something. And taking some of this information. Jamin, do we have any action items or do we pass that? Yeah, uh, but the, our, our, our main action item, please, just uh, as like you said, this is about creating intentional um, conversations. We're going to continue 
to have discussion topics like this throughout the year. Uh, we'll come back to generational wealth with, a, with another topic. Um, and uh, the Alley Act sign on our next call, March 4th, please participate. Uh, participate in the Facebook community if you're not in there. Uh, or if you just want to go to our, our website and check out the blog, we'll try to continue to update that. And let us know uh, what is your critique about this call? Uh, is there something we could have done different or provided more info information about? Because uh, we're all about forgiving uh, something that's an effective resource that makes impact for all of you and your families. Yeah. All righty, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you all. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Yes, thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Y'all have a good one.